Hello, this is Mary. And this is Chandler. And you're listening to The Miss Fisher Files. Welcome back. Today we are talking about season one, episode six, Ruddy Gore. Ruddy Gore. (laughs) Hello. I hope you like Gilbert and Sullivan. Oh, yeah. So for those of you who don't remember, the general premise is that Franny gets brought in by an old friend who's the theater producer because they're having a ghost problem in the theater. Well, who doesn't really? Which, yeah. Find me a theater that does not have a ghost. Right. And uh, once she's in... Murder ensues because it's frightening. This would not be a murder mystery show without at least one murder. There are several episodes where she sort of reluctantly gets brought on, but then as soon as there's the murder, that's a convenient excuse for her to be there and no shortage of frustration for Jack because he can't get rid of her now. Oh, Mm -hmm. he loves it. Oh, yeah. I don't think he knows it yet, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're only in episode six, but kind of ramp up the flirting in this we one. do yeah jack is actually really light and flirty and he's a very different character than in later episodes yeah and he's just on the verge of realizing that he is attracted to franny mm-hmm. and wants it to go somewhere and later he's still married and so it becomes almost a burden and so he loses some of that lightness and breeziness yeah. when it comes to their burgeoning relationship so that's my theory and stuff happens in season two also that I think really heightens that sense of a burden. I think you're right. Well, I don't know. Franny had me at hello, so, you know, <laughs> poor Jack. I yeah. don't think he had a chance. He's a goner. <laughs> um, I don't have the nice typed up notes that you have. I have a page full of chicken scratches <laughs> filling every square centimeter of this page. I'm sure and they're very interesting chicken scratches. I have a lot of notes on this episode. First of all, um, I am kind of a Gilbert and Sullivan agnostic. There are some <laughs> things that I love about them. I also find them quite tiresome. Mm-hmm. But um, I confess one of my favorite movies is um, the Mike Lee film, Topsy Turvy, which goes into hyper detail about <laughs> making the Mikado. And I kind of love getting into that granular detail. And there is a little bit of that in this episode, I think. Um, they picked a less good uh Operetta. Ruddy Gore is not the Mikado. Um, Ruddy Gore actually came out immediately after the Mikado and did not have nearly the success that the Mikado did because it's not the Mikado hmm. and people knew it. But I kind of I kind of geek out on this a little bit. And also a million years ago I used to do technical theater. Oh wow. So I was really geeking out over like the that. fabric scrims and the <laughs> things like that. So I think there's a lot of meat here. Yeah. Even if you have to put up with some tiresome I will I will say uh I have read all the books now and I highly recommend them they are so much fun but this book in particular well no really it was just this book that it was kind of a slog because she's so into theater stuff so if there are theater nerds out there you are going to love that book Um, I am not, even though I was going to go into costume design. Really? Yeah, that's what I was looking at universities to do. Interesting. And ended up going a different direction. But I just am not a theater person. And Carrie Greenwood is definitely in that category. Yeah. So she gets, yes, very granular in the book. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, one thing thing the show really got right here is how over the top 
theater people can be <laughs> and not, not knocking any theater people who might be listening because, you know, I used to be a theater person as well, but as I was on the techie side of things. And so there, there always was this kind of running joke that, you know, things were always so much, you know, the drama was always bigger when the <laughs> actors were involved because, you know, they're actors and they're used to being on all the time. And so you kind of see a little bit of that with her old friend who runs the theater is, mm-hmm. you know, quoting Shakespeare. Um, and we have the, whenever somebody dies and we have the girl going, ah! you know, <laughs> it's, kind of, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of a good theater moment. <laughs> There's a lot of drama, melodrama. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where do we begin? So, costumes. Oh, the notes I have, Mary. I know, me too. I've got a huge <laughs> chunk just on the costumes. So, there the, are so many costume changes in this one. There really are. You know, there are some shows where, there's some episodes where she wears maybe two things uh-huh. the whole episode. Oh, they went whole hog with this one. And uh, the thing I've written down is it seems like outerwear and silk robes. <laughs> Are the theme for this show. That's true. <laughs> we have... Okay, so I wrote down all the robes that she wears. She wears that fabulous Crane's robe, that dark blue robe, silk robe that Dot is mending with the, oh, the yeah. Crane's flying on it. And then she wears a red silk robe. I love the, ro- that robe. Oh, that with robe. With the is, pale pink collar. With the under robe. Yeah, that's <gasps> so beautiful. It. And then it's not really a robe, it's more of a coat, but there's that beautiful black and white chrysanthemum coat that she wears. And then, of course, we see in the bedroom scene, we see the reprise of the cockfight robe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm calling that the pre-coital robe. Oh, it totally, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It could not be more perfect. (laughs) The dress that she goes to the theater in at the very beginning of the episode. That velvet cape. Yes. The fur. The coat coat is amazing. The coat is amazing. Yeah. I love it so much. I also love her headpiece. Yes. I wrote that down. The the leaf kind of. Yeah. It's got like silver wings. So in the book, she is dressed as Mercury. And she has silver wings on her shoes when she goes to Ready oh, Gore. So this is kind of like a laurel crown yeah. kind of thing. So wow. I think they just like put it onto her headpiece. Well, it's fabulous. It's stunning. And I, that it's, beaded, I think one of my favorite. embroidered silver dress. Oh, with the asymmetrical yep. backlight. Oh man, I, I love know. that thing. I yeah, I want that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Some serious ascots in this episode. Oh, that's true. And uh, Mr. Lean is a snappy dresser. <laughs> Let me just say, he's he's in one scene, he's pairing his herringbone wool suit with a red silk ascot. Very nice. Uh, he also has a pretty sexy tie tack, pearl tie tack. <laughs> I don't think I've ever uttered those words before, ever. <laughs> sexy tie tack. <laughs> And then he wears that knockout linen suit at the end. Yeah, man. That is nice. Even I noticed that. You you definitely have the menswear beat on this podcast. <laughs> like, I, I'm out. I do not notice the stuff oh. when it's on men. I'm sorry. I'm a sucker for a good linen suit because you know how hard those are to keep pressed? <laughs> Helpful when you have staff. Yeah. When you're there. Oh, totally. You know, my husband wore, my husband makes his own clothes, as I think I've mentioned before, and he made his... Uh, wedding suit when we got married and it also was a linen suit and it's fabulous wow and I just remember how careful he was that day because you know pressing a linen suit is kind of a 
exercise in futility because it, it wrinkles very easily. So I just remember how careful he was that day of not sitting down and not <laughs> getting the suit wrinkled. <laughs> we did not have an army of staff, sadly. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm still blown away that he makes his own clothes. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> oh, man. Can you imagine making the clothes in, you know, making Miss Friney's clothes? I mean, it's not like she's wearing T-shirts and jeans. <laughs> It's just the level of artistry and craftsmanship there is just just blows me away every time. And this we just there's so much here in this episode. It's fabulous. So I love the, the black and white Chinese silk coat that you mm-hmm. mentioned, the chrysanthemum chrysanthemum coats. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really love is the black shirt that she's wearing under it. It's a blouse and it has the scooped out area yeah. with ties. And like, then she wears that that white pleated skirt. Mm-hmm. Which as, I actually well. do not care for that much. It looks a little dowdy in compar- yeah, comparison to everything else. I can but, see that. You know, it's whatever. Yeah. I'm really concentrating on the coat and the blouse mm. in the, that scene because yeah. it's just really beautiful. And I love the lines that that blouse creates. Yeah. And I also love that red wool coat, cloche hat, and gloves. <gasps> yes. Well, the gloves aren't wool, but they're red. And that's just, oh, stunning. That, that red, that deep red is so stunning on her. It really her is. dark hair and her pale skin. So she goes into that outfit. She's when she's at home. She's wearing all white, the yep. white cowl neck, neck blouse and the white trousers. Yep. And then she's wearing like a crocheted kind of off white right. cardigan. Right. And then when she goes to the theater, she's wearing the same things underneath the white blouse but with and this the trousers. Blood but, red yes, with ensemble. the dark red coat <sighs> and cloche, and also bag. Yeah. And that, right. I think T strap. Her uh, shoes, yeah, yeah, those T-strap shoes that was in that were in raisins and almonds make a yes. reappearance. I love those. Yeah, and of course the red lipstick. Yep, to finish it all off. Essie <laughs> Davis, you're a knockout. Um, and you know, okay, I'm gonna give Dot a shout out. Shout out in the costume department here because now she's wearing her signature brown and peach as she always wears. <laughs> um, but she is wearing those adorable but still sensible shoes that almost look like saddle shoes, they, but with heels. And you see her in them a couple of times. They're kind of in a beige leather, and then they have the idea of drawing of it. They have um, oh, yeah. so the heel, the toe, and the laces. I don't know, I don't know my shoe ter- terminology, but that kind of piece of leather where the laces go is all in a slightly darker taupe huh. color. And I just think they're so beautiful on her, but also understated. Yeah. Go dot. Very dot. Yeah. Very dot. That's an excellent sketch. <laughs> I now know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Poor dot. I just don't notice her clothes usually. Poor dot. I really am only focused on Friny. I know. And, okay, I have to bring up, I think my favorite dress, oh, it's, a hard, it's a hard thing to decide, but I think my favorite dress of the entire show, not just season, but Ooh. show, is the one that she wears to her first dinner with Lynn. Oh, the diagonal translucent yes. with yeah. the lace and the beads, and it Those is stripes. just unbelievably it is stunning. stunning. And it she is... wears that arm bangle high up on her on her upper arm. Yep, oof! It's such a knockout outfit, and I would argue that this is far more lethal than the quote unquote lethal dress in season two. Right, which that one is my favorite episode, by the way. I can't wait till we get to <laughs> I that know, one. I can't wait to record on that one. But this dress, I, I am so sad that we never see it again. Because that it's dress deserves more. It deserves more. It's just so stunning. Maybe, I, I, you know, I like to make up backstories in my head. Maybe she, like, 
caught it on something and it ripped and she couldn't mm. wear it again. Or I can't imagine her ever catching a dress on something. She's so she's a superhero. Yeah, she is. Oh, one more. I have one more menswear note. Um, so this is not my observation. I, I can't take credit for this. But when I was watching this with my husband, who knows menswear because he makes menswear, he was geeking out about the stage dressers and their outfits because they wore these period authentic workman's aprons that mm-hmm. instead of having a strap that goes around your neck, they button to the front of your waistcoat. And he was really impressed by that. Huh. He was really excited. So I made a note about that. Just a shout out to the, the <laughs> working man's aprons. Way to get the detail right. <laughs> Can I go on a bit of a graphic design rant? Totally. And I'm sure you'll appreciate this I being all a ears. fellow designer. Yep. So I'm always, so I'm a letterer. Um, And so I'm always going to be looking at whatever typefaces they're using and loved the typeface that they used for Ruddy Gore on the poster. That was fun. Uh, But looking closely at that poster, while they were going for not 1920s period, but actually a retro throwback for that time, because Ruddy Gore came out in 1887. So Hmm. so it was kind of a Victorian throwback, which I appreciated. Um, Modern font. No. (laughs) New, they they used P twenty two Victorian swash, and I just can't handle it. I just can't handle it. Wow, I thought I was a nerd. It's kind with of typography, the Black but of man, the of the Victorian fonts. It's just kind of everywhere. It's sort of glaring, and the rest of them, you know, I didn't. They didn't jump out at me as being modern or, or period, but that one I was like, oh no, you didn't use that. Come on, that's like the Comic Sans of Victorian posters. Um, and the other thing was, remember when Dot and Phryne are sitting looking through the old, um, issues of Table Talk magazine? Mm-hmm. So they're looking at this 1908 edition of Table Talk. And this is a really nerdy, stupid, minor <laughs> thing. But all of those magazines were, uh, perfect bound. Oh. So yeah. paperback with the spine. Technically, that binding was around then. It actually was invented in like 1895, but it was not used in bookbinding. Was it still saddle stitch at that point? Yes. AKA staples. Staples, yeah. Staples were invented in the 1860s. Okay. And And perfect bound is when it's glued. Yeah. And you have the, they're glued flush. Flush and then trimmed on the foredge. And um, perfect binding was not used in bookbinding until 1931. And then Penguin Books introduced it in 1935 in the UK. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So, huh. which is totally stupid detail, but <laughs> it's, it, it would not have been used in 1908. And so it, like that heavy, glossy paper, it just wouldn't have happened. Those were very modern wow. magazines. And, you know, yeah. and in fact, some magazines in that era were still hardbound, in fact, especially huh. 1908. So... Huh. Yeah. So I was like, oh, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> well, clearly every cloud needs to hire you for season four to be their continuity person. <laughs> I'll be your bookbinding historian. <laughs> and everyone will be like, no one cares, Chandler. No one cares. <laughs> Speaking of bookbinding, can we talk about the Kama Sutra that appears? Oh, yes. <laughs> so I love how... There are all of these sort of overlapping love stories, mm. small and large. So yes. they kind of do this montage where like Phryne and Lynn are together in her boudoir. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we see Hugh 
using practicing, practicing on his terrible. arm at the station. And then Dot looking at the sensible overshoes. Yes, she's sitting at the kitchen table and she's constructing her mourning band because of Gwillem Evans' death. Right. And that is a really interesting one. So Dot had this crush, crush on yeah. the actor. And is clearly like trying to hide it from Hugh to some degree. I think she's a little embarrassed about it and doesn't want him to know. And I I think it's interesting that she had the crush on this guy who was just kind of he was a cad. He had a bit was of a, a twat. <laughs> Sorry. <Yes. laughs> he was. And here she's with Hugh, who's like this wonderful, moralistic, upstanding young man. So but man, he failed big time. Oh. You don't give a lady over shoes. Oh my goodness. The come on boot shoes are just horrible. And she's about to cry when she I mean it's just it's a it's a hard scene to watch. I mean, I know Dot where Dot wears a lot of brown, but come on. No, that was a whole whole <sighs> level down. And Phryne, when she comes into the room and sees it, and she's trying to like say something comforting to Dot that is also kind to Hugh, that's a tough place to be. But handing him but that then, dirty yep, book, yep, that was a masterstroke. It really that was. That was so smooth, Phryne. Can you see if this is legal? <laughs> and the look on Hugh's face, I actually rewound that and watched really? that like three times because that was so oh, adorable and his hilarious. His faces, they just, they're so good. He's got every, such good facial expressions. Every episode. Yeah. He, he can always be depended upon for the good mm-hmm. facial expressions. And then she tells him there's a chapter on kissing and he like, a whole chapter on kissing? <laughs> <laughs> and then we see him testing it out on himself, on his arm. All by himself in the police station, which is really cute. Adorable. And they're playing this kind of wonky jazz music in the in the bed. It's just it's perfect. It's so perfect. Oh, can I can I this is apropos of nothing, um, but I wonder if this might go back with the costumes. One of the quotes I wrote down was uh Friney says to Mr. Lean, I do approve of a man who can fight and still maintain his sartorial elegance. I love that line. <laughs> She really does approve of that. <laughs> really, really does. Go Mr. Lean, the snappy dresser. He is a snappy dresser. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, he's a beautiful man, but I... Beautiful. His, his acting, I just... Kind of Keanu Reeves. I'm getting yeah. too much Keanu Reeves vibe. Really I'm like it's waiting very... for him to say, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's very stilted, and there's just not much charisma there, which, I mean, when you look like that, you don't really have to rely on charisma. I know. But... I know. Yeah, so he's, I think, by far the most attractive of her lovers. He's really young, though. I he's, mean, he's, he's very young. He may be the youngest as well. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't you might know. be right. But, um... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, he's beautiful, but beyond that, yeah. <laughs> Not as dumb as the Greek wrestler in season two. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That is true. He's actually quite a smart guy. Just yeah, not not, not yeah, he not is. really an actor. Okay, but you know, I appreciate that we're going into the series with you know different different immigrant cultures in Melbourne and all of that. I totally get that. I think that's great. But do we have to have a kung fu oh. fight in the street and the mean grandma who tells her she, you are fox spirit? I mean, come on. I know. Do we I know, have to have I, that? I actually wrote down, I hate this scene about the Kung Fu one because it's just He's so... He's a snappy dresser and he fights Kung Ugh. Fu because did you, did you, if you didn't know he was Chinese, you know now. I know. Also, just from a kind of logistical standpoint, she had just met him at the theater. He was introduced to her like, I don't know, 
probably 10 minutes before. Yeah. Yeah. And so then there's this Kung Fu fight in the alley. It's dark. You can't quite see who's who, but she knows somehow that it's him. And it must she, be the snappy she, dressing. It must be. <laughs> and she grabs the ax and she throws it towards the other guy, the quote unquote bad guy. But, well, but you know, if any Chinese characters are unnamed in a movie, <laughs> you know, they must be bad guys. Right? I, I think guess that's, so. Is that the logic? Is that how it goes? Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really a terrible scene. Yeah. I've, wish that they had rethought that. And, you know, I thought they handled it well when she makes a faux pas and asks him, do you deal in opium? Mm -hmm. And he's horribly offended. Yeah, he totally calls her on that. Yeah, and that's, bravo, that was great. But did we have to have the street kung fu and (sighs) the mean stereotypical grandma? Yeah, it seems a little hypocritical to have her called out, but also in the show have all of these very stereotypical scenes and treatment of an entire culture yeah i mean later when, when, you know they these characters make a reappearance later in the season and we find out some pretty badass things about that grandma mm-hmm. but uh it doesn't really undo the kind of no. stereotypical no it's definitely disappointing at the end of the kung fu fight when lynn takes Friny to dinner at the restaurant and poor dot gets dragged along as mm. the third wheel i feel so bad for her yeah. It's just such a tense, like, there's clearly something going on between Lynn and Phryne, and poor Dot just has to sit there and be witness to it. And Dot's sewing an armband while they're upstairs. <laughs> yep. Like, <laughs> yeah, poor Dot. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm going over my really messy notes. One of my favorite quotes is, dot when she is hemming that crane robe and mm. says she looks up at Friny and with this really earnest face says table talk magazine does not lie i know it's adorable adorable <laughs> it's really adorable there's there's a lot this episode packs a lot of punch i mean there's there's a lot of kind of subcultural things happening and then you know dot they find these really fun playful ways to inter- like to reiterate how innocent Hugh and dot are i mean Hugh looking at erotic Southeast Asian art and then dot with their, Oh, tabletop magazine would never lie. I think that's really kind of adorable. Um, Oh, we have another lip print on dots forehead. Yes. I love that. I love that. That sight gag is carried yeah. through. Yeah. It's so good. Oh, so good. Um, and okay. Here's the thing I loved about the, the theater was, um, a couple, couple of things. First of all, I loved those um, fabric scrims that they used on the stage. So those were the little scenic flats. Um, that was very accurate, and I loved how they were done. They were painted with that kind of art deco lily and swan pattern that was really beautiful. But I love the little technical twist that the murderer did with the scrim of sand. Oh, of sand, Yeah. And they cut, you know, they used film, which would have been a newish technology at that time that people maybe wouldn't have thought of because it's just not, it wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and I love the way kind of the evidence disappears, you know, all you, that Mm -hmm. clue that you get in the line of sand and... Which is really mystifying on its own. Yeah. And then when you project the film on it, I thought that was really great. But... Then we have, you know, the old sandbag trick. So my irritation with that scene, which I love. I love that scene very much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, But no one seems to be concerned that Willem just got smushed by the sandbag. Oh, yeah. Well, he was kind of a prat. Yeah, he was. I I get that nobody really liked him, but... 
the guy just got totally killed by yep. this falling sandbag, and everybody's like, oh, Phryne, are you okay? <laughs> and it just seems a little off to me. Yeah. Jack really does not care that this guy just got killed, probably. I mean, he doesn't even check, I don't think. Does he? Does he feel for a pulse? I, I don't think I, he does. No, I think everybody on stage is just, they look at him, they're like, eh, oh, he's dead. Yep. <laughs> yep, that's done. <laughs> There's some pretty good Jack comedy in this. Yeah, I mean, there, there is. He is. He's really, like, breezy in this one. He has a lot more comedic charm, I think, mm-hmm. in this episode versus, like, any other. And he was the major general in the Pirates of Penzance, <laughs> let's not forget. That was an excellent reveal. <laughs> and I love that he quotes Antony and Cleopatra, which they reprise Oof. later at the costume party. Yes, they do. That runs through quite a bit. Well... At least in fan fiction. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but there are so many good Jack and Franny scenes in this mm-hmm. episode. Oh, and yeah. Backstage when she like oh, swings the thing yeah, the and two he by catches four her. And, and then he... Heavy breathing. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm really going to have to keep an eye on you. Oh, wait. No, that's not the line. I th- isn't that... Oh, I'm never going to be able to let you out yeah. of my sight. Now I really can't let you out of my sight. Oh. And... And what song do they end at the credits? Making Whoopi. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's a classic. <laughs> and of course, Hugh and Dot and their first kiss under the stage lights. I love the lighting for their first kiss. It's really beautiful. Yeah. How it's backlit. And it's just so, it's just so sweet. Yeah. You, you it's know, the, the shoulder kiss probably would have worked better if she wasn't wearing three layers of wool. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the thought was nice. It was. Yeah, it's just a really sweet scene. So one of the things I love about the show, and I can't remember if I've already mentioned this, but it has some really fantastic side characters. And -hmm. I think it gives them more room to breathe. It gives them a little bit more interest than the majority of shows would. Right. Because we have we have side characters in every episode, just kind of like law and order, you know. Like, oh, of course. You know, but, well, and that's the thing. Any murder mystery, yep. they go have to go through a lot of actors because there's always dead people. There's always the murderer. And usually they're just really formulaic. You're like, okay, you are, you know, the person who has to be in this slot so that we find out this piece of information. Right. Or you're the, you know, small town idiot sheriff. Right. Which you're seems in, to be in everything. In your, in your little box, you don't get to do much with it. Right. But in this show... I really feel like they give the side characters a lot more interest than yeah. that, and I appreciate it. And sometimes I love those side characters, and I want to hear more. Yeah. And so in this episode, it was Mrs. Mops, who was really fun. Mm. It was a fun interview to listen to. She has so much energy, and she yep. was really caring, and just, it was great. It was a great scene. And, and it you was, hinted, there's a hint at a lot of backstory where mm-hmm. she used to be in the theater, but she gave that up. Yeah, she flirted with it, and it did not return the favor or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. she's just a really great character. And she's, I know, she's just a tiny little side plot. Yep. I'm barely in there at all, but even so, she's really fun to watch. And I totally appreciate that. And I also think... Because so many of the side characters are women, it comes back to the whole idea of the show just focusing so much on the lives of women yep. and letting them be their own people, even if they're, they have this tiny little bit part. Yeah, and you know, there, that brings up, I think, the side plot of the murdered woman, the, the woman who, well, that oh, we think committed suicide. Dorothea? Turn, yeah. The, who turns out ghost. she was murdered, yeah. I mean, she left the theater because she was pregnant. And then kind of, you know, did that thing that so many women did at that time, which is when they get 
pregnant out of wedlock, they sort of disappear. Mm-hmm. And, um, and while that is part of the plot, no one shames her about this or no one, you know, no one says a word about, wow, I can't believe you grew up, you know, this bastard child of mm-hmm. this actress. I mean, I think I thought, I mean, it was subtly done, but I thought that was interesting. It still provokes emotion though. Yeah. Because Mrs. Mop said, who are you again? When Franny asks if Dorothea left for the age old reason. Right. And, and Mrs. Mops immediately is on guard. And she would be expecting judgment. I think there was a lot of uh, social currency still intertwined with, with that yeah. knowledge. And yeah. she is on guard. So yep. it still was, I mean, there was some judgment, but not from Franny. Not from Franny. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things I like in this episode is that we have a, it's like the transitional episode where at the beginning, Jack and Franny are still sort of foes. And mm. he doesn't want to let her into the investigation, but she sort of cons her way in by yeah. quickly uh, accepting Bart's request that she investigate the case, which means now she gets access to the body and whatever else. Um, and so over the course of the episode, we see them start kind of working together on a more gradual and regular basis. And I really like that. It's handled yeah. pretty well. I yeah. think... I think it makes sense that at the start, he still would be like, "Ugh, no, it's my investigation. But um, this is the turning point for them in terms of working together. Mm -hmm. So I was glad that they touched on that throughout. And we see that he really does have a lot of respect for her. And and the flirting. The flirting turned up to 11. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I hadn't, I mean, this was early enough in the whole series that... I was just still figuring out, oh, okay, that's how this is going to play out. Yeah. Um, And it wasn't until, like, I'd watched the entire series and gone all the way back to season one that I was like, whoa, this is some serious flirting. This is actually a pretty hot episode, and I had completely forgotten. Because, you know, they kind of dial it way back later. They do. They really do. And I assume it's because they have to keep going with the series so yeah you can't, to draw you can't it out blow it all forever. that early yeah. yeah but this one was like what yeah up to 11 Man. and he is standing there doesn't he hold her purse or something while she's playing she's helping Willem run his lines I on think the stage? so yeah because she puts that bonnet that ridiculous bonnet yeah. on her head and they so he's on the edge of the stage and I think she's handed him her purse so that she can go over and yeah. run the lines so he's already like the man holding the purse. Yeah. <laughs> He's already taken on that role, which is really funny. And he does that throughout, I think. Every once in a while, you see him holding something of hers. Yeah, I mean, there's... He kind of alludes to... Um, he kind of alludes to uh, how she kind of takes over several times throughout the show. And I'm, I'm trying to think of specific examples. Like, the one where he calls her a freight train, and she says, I'm a charming freight train. and <laughs> Or... Um, in season in season two in the car crash episode, um, when he's she can't figure out why he's so upset and mm-hmm. and he kind of chastises her for taking over and she says, "But you've never minded before." He, it's pretty clear. He kind of makes it clear over and over again that he doesn't. He's not threatened by taking second fiddle to her, mm-hmm. but there's still this tension of like, "Well, you're not actually a cop, Franny." Right. And so it's it's kind of this interesting play between like yeah I'll hold your purse <laughs> but this is still my investigation right. <laughs> I'm really kind of just humoring you here <laughs> yeah 
So what are the other scenes? We already talked about when they're both backstage trying to find the person who just dropped the note or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty steamy little scene there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess the end, the Ant- Antony and Cleopatra. Oh, yeah. But it's such a good scene at the very end. And I mean, at that point, there's no denying. He is definitely falling for her. Yeah. But in a way, like, he really appreciates her, too. Yeah. So it's a it's a perfect balance. It's a delicious balance. You know, there's also a little bit of tension between him and Mr. Lean. Yes. That, you know, they, they, when they all kind of come together, again, in a back alley, because I guess, you know, you only find the Chinese citizens of Melbourne <laughs> in back alleys. Yeah, and this one, they literally run into each other in the in alley. In the street, and Jack's in the middle of escorting her home, yeah. and then and she's he, like, like, no, I'm going to go out to puts, dinner with Mr. Lean. He puts up his duke, so he's ready to get into a fight with Lean, but Franny intercepts, and it and was... she's like, actually, I want to go home with this guy. I know. <laughs> it's like, ouch. Poor Jack, but... That was, but, I, I wondered what her rationale, like, well, is she just super attracted to Lynn? Okay. Or was this sort of to get Jack jealous and see where that whole thing was heading? I think it's more the former because she has, she, it always seems that she has the attitude that, and we kind of see this play out later where, you know, if Jack ever indicated that he would be interested other than the flirting, if he ever actually said, okay, let's do this, she'd be like, all right, let's do this. But he never does. He kind of keeps her at arm's length. And so she's not waiting around for him. Yeah. She's like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to go home with Mr. Hottie over here. <laughs> <laughs> and and I don't know, maybe there is some element of like, how you like them apples, Jack? Mm-hmm. But, you know, Jack doesn't exactly stand up for himself or no, say, he hey, wait a minute. Yeah. I wanted to take you out to dinner tonight. Yeah, so I, I kind of feel like she's she's poking him a little bit there, but she's also asserting her independence mm-hmm. and her right to it. And yeah, it's, like snooze, it's, you lose, pal. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and of course, you know, Franny speaks Chinese. Yeah, is that Mandarin? Of course, it is uh, Mandarin. I actually looked that up. Oh, good job. But somebody pointed out that would not have been accurate for the time. They would have spoken oh, really? Shanghaiese. Shanghainese, yeah. Sh- uh, Shanghai-nese. I think it's Shanghainese. I had a I had a roommate from Shanghai in okay in college, and she she referred to herself as Shanghainese. Okay, but do do we see Dot attempting to use chopsticks? I don't remember that scene where they're eating the. I don't know what that is, bao or something. They're, yeah. they're eating the, those dumplings in when the steam dot baskets. Dot is the third wheel at the table. Uh, poor Dot. Yeah. No, I don't... I think she is struggling with her chopsticks. I think that's what we see. And Lynn is very To impressed. be fair, those big things are hard to eat with chopsticks. <laughs> okay, so Maurice Sheffield being the dresser mm. all these years, and Bart does not realize it's his arch enemy. I know. It's like the... Oh, did you ever read the Brother Cadfail mysteries? Oh, no. Oh, my husband loves them. Yeah, he listens my mom, to them on, yeah. on audiobook all the time. And and there are two, not just one, but two <laughs> stories where some character is a woman dressed as a man and nobody knows it. Oh my goodness. Because, you know, it's just, oh, put a fake mustache on her and oh, I never knew. <laughs> 
I've been living with this person in close proximity for years and I just never knew. It just makes no sense. Yeah. It would make no sense to be spending that much time together and not realize that this is the guy that you lost the woman you love to. And I'm sorry, actors, no way. There's no way an actor, a lead actor would be able to go, what, 30 years, 25 years and not showboat. <laughs> they even say like, oh yeah, he knows all the parts. He's right. singing back here. Like, yeah, whatever. He's That's sitting there rehearsal, striking yeah. a pose backstage. I think they <laughs> wouldn't notice that. <laughs> yeah. The, the denouement is so annoying to me. Mm. It's the Poirot, like the big <gasps> gathering. Yeah. It's with, with true theatrics. It's like the Scooby-Doo ending. Oh, totally. Pull the mask off. <gasps> it's Mr. Mike from the Haunted Amusement Park. And I would have got away with it, too, if it weren't for you kids. <laughs> <laughs> and does nobody see that Leela looks exactly uh, like... I know. I, I know. It's it. so maddening when, when the show and everyone in it are supposed to be clever to this point but then they're supposed to be so stupid to not see I know. this i know they're and doing like a victorian revival play but do we have to uh, also have the victorian subplot like it yeah it's yeah it's annoying but i mean i have already said i do not watch this show for the plot really. and you know I, as much it's as amazing as this show is murder mysteries are formulaic i have yet to find one that isn't and you know yeah and especially true. since they all seem to be in series like we have to you have to keep doing it over right. and over and over again so and well, i'm a sucker for mysteries in general but as i've said i appreciate so many things about the show and what it's done differently yeah like side characters focus on women focus on women's issues so it's really done a lot to yeah. incorporate some interesting things into that genre that is yep. pretty pretty cut and dried yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, um, so, I, oh, no, this is neither here nor there, but I did like the little detail in the, the theater of their costumes. It, they really looked like real working theater costumes because they're pretty hmm. they're pretty threadbare. If you look at those <laughs> those costumes, like they're pretty manky. Like they look huh. like they've been reused from different productions and yeah, you know, they wouldn't be sparkly and new. Yeah. So even though they have the luxury of these dressers and the lead actors have their own dressers, it's still it's kind of a little believable hmm. bit, even if it's not believable that the dresser is really the actor. And what actor knows how to iron like that? <laughs> no offense to actors, but man. Did the actor do it or the did the dresser? Well, but the murderer was an actor, but he's posing all this time. I guess if he's had 20 years to yeah. perfect the art of ironing stuff or, you know, whatever, I guess he's going to get good at it, but <laughs> I don't know. So in the scene where Lynn tells her, tells Franny that he's going to get married. His Shanghai bride. His Shanghai bride. I think Franny seemed truly sad. Yeah. And I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and this is going to come back later. I don't want to get too much into it because we are going to talk about this later, but yeah. And he and I think he's he hasn't come around to it yet, but he will end up being sad as well, mm-hmm. but I think she is also sad because she knows she's not going to she's not going to hang on and be the other woman here. She's going to let him go. She's she wouldn't commit to him anyway. Right. And she's preparing herself for that. But it's a surprising amount of emotion while she's saying goodbye to a lover because we don't see that from her. Well, he's cute. He is very cute. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. I would be sad too. <laughs> Even though he's not very and compelling. And he's a sartorial match for her. That is true. It's very true. They cut a dashing figure together, those two. Yeah, they really do. And he can, you know, kung fu fight in the street. Apparently so. I'm sorry. Kung fu fighting popped in my head when I mm, saw that. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. It's pretty hard to avoid. Yeah. So I never quite know, Do I, should I talk about the books as we're talking about the episode? Because, please, please. Okay. I think that's a great perspective. So in the books, Lin Chung is a huge character. I mean, he's, he? he's in, I think, the majority of them. Wow. Okay, um, I need to start reading these books. They're so good. Oh, my goodness. I really love them. I am, I am about two-thirds of the way through the very last one, mm. and I can sense that I'm putting it off. I am purposely not reading it yeah. because I don't want it to end. There are books that I have that I started reading years ago and haven't finished a series because I don't want it to end. <laughs> I so totally I totally feel that. It's, just, it's so sad. Like I've already said goodbye to this show and I'm like waiting with bated breath to see if it's going to be revived in any way. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think there's a pretty good chance that there will be a movie, mm. but that's not exactly what I want. That's not going to be satisfying. Honestly, and then, I will and never then you be know satisfied. that really will be the end. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping for season four, but who knows? So we've already had to kind of come to terms with the show possibly being done. And now the books, it's like I'm having to mourn all over again for a whole separate thing. Is she done writing them or is she still publishing them? No, uh, the last one was in 2013. So they're still, they're still theoretically coming. Um, I don't know. How many are there to date? Oh man, it's like 22 or something. Yeah. And then there's the... Illustrated Guide is the last book, which I'm going to treat myself to when I've finished all of them. But its I don't think it's an actual story. Yeah. Um, I really love Carrie Greenwood's writing. It's yeah. so, it's very conversational. It's very funny. It's very irreverent. It's, it's really fun. Nice. And even her like acknowledgments at the end of the book, I enjoy reading. Oh, great. There are often recipes in them. <laughs> and every time she gives her email address and says, write to me. Oh. Which I love. And I, I am going to. I'm like trying to compile an email that asks questions that I'm dying to know the answer to. That's great. But um, yeah, it's. I really love her writing. So how does she, how does she treat Mr. Lean then? So he becomes sort of, um, almost like a backup person for her and come, he helps her with different cases. Mm. Um, either like he plays a role that is helpful. I mean, actually assumes an identity to oh. be helpful or Not he provides Mr. Lean Ron or, um, one of the other funny things is he's the head of the of the family, and is this at, so he's already married his Shanghai bride, or he does in this in the series, and she willingly becomes a concubine and actually calls herself that his concubine. So, which is I mean, it's really funny. It's like I am wow. just trying to imagine somebody today being like, "Yeah, I'm uh, I'm his like, concubine." Hello, my name is <laughs> concubine, concubine Franny. Yeah, yeah, and well, you know, Franny was. She's named after an ancient Greek courtesan. That's true, yeah. And I think it's really just kind of an official title for the role that she plays, although she typically doesn't have married lovers. Um, true. She, does, she tries to avoid that. So it's, it's an official role, that, or the official title for the role that she's playing. So that's kind of tidy in a weird way. Um, but he still is with her throughout the rest of the series, 
Um, they still spend quality time together. Interesting. Yep. But he also assists her with cases, and it's a really interesting relationship. And he also has, I don't, I don't know if this is a spoiler, I don't think so, but because he's the head of their family, he has a bodyguard who oh. is, he is also a fantastic character. Interesting. And develop, it's, it's an interesting relationship that he has with Phryne. Not romantic at all, but just uh, the sort of, I guess the respect that he gives her is really unusual. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, there's just, there's so much there. Yeah. It's really, really fun. Does she get together with Jack in the books? No. Does Whoa! not. Does not. Interesting. Um, and I, when we had talked about it before, I was only, I don't know, three or four books in. And yeah. it didn't look like it was going to happen because he was, they were painting him as a family man. Mm-hmm. And and it continues that way. Like, he's very devoted to his wife and his family. Um, so the, the divorce subplot doesn't? Not at all. Not in there at interesting. all. Interesting. So I think it's an interesting choice of the show. I, I think they probably made the right choice in Yeah, you making, gotta have some tension. Right. And it wasn't gonna be with Lynn, because, I mean, yeah. he's in and out, you know, like right. fli- flitting about with his own business to attend to. Yeah. So Jack is the one that she's going to keep running into as they're working on a case. So it made sense to put the, the right. tension between those two right. characters. Um, so yeah, they completely rewrote the part of Jack Interesting. and, and really kind of edge Lynn out, which in the books he's, he's, he's there for the long haul. Um, and there are some people on the tumblers who are not happy that he gets gets edged out, and I get it because he's yeah. But do we want more of that acting? Yeah, as I don't. I'm, I'm kind of done. I'm done with him. But yeah. um, but no I offense, get, guy who plays Mr. Lean. Don't yeah, know your I name. I think it's Philip Day. Is his name? So yeah, but um, I really like the relationship that they have in the books, and would definitely definitely recommend reading them. They're mm. so fun. Okay. They're really I unusual. They're, I wonder if I can get them on audiobook. You can. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I go through audiobooks really okay. quickly. So. I haven't listened to any of them, so I can't tell you about the quality yeah. of yeah, you know, the, the narration. Reading, but, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I check them out at the library because there are so many. Oh, I would, good. Yeah, yeah. I would have spent a small fortune. I still may. I may. I think I'm just going to reread them again, much as I am doing with I'm the episodes. I'm a big episodes. rereader. They're I'm a rereader. So good, and there are just so many good lines yeah. in every single book. Yeah. And I write, like, I've taken pictures of the page. Oh, so wow. I, on my phone, I have all of these pictures of text. I have a folder in Evernote. Yeah? That is oh, that's a good way to do it. Interesting quotes I read in books. And my poor husband has been stopped many times as we're both reading. And I'm like, oh, you have to listen to this. And then I'll, I'll repeat it to him. And he's, like, laughing. It's totally out of context Well, you know, him. he's my friend on Goodreads. And he's, oh, got, the, he's got some Carrie Greenwood books in his in his book list. So He has read Cocaine Blues, but that's as far as he's got. Okay, gotten. okay. Yeah. So I keep encouraging him. And I keep saying Lynn. I know it's Lin Chong, but, but you I know, sound, you know, I even even she goes back and forth because she huh. says Mr. Lin later true. in a later episode. I'm like, but you went over bent over backwards to call him Mr. Lean in this episode. That's so. true. Yeah. I, hmm. uh, okay. Well, if Friday can make those mistakes, so can I. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was kung fu fighting. Oh, how could they not see what a stupid scene that created? Like how kind of insulting and stereotypical, and yet they're they're trying so hard on all these other fronts. You know, there there are few. I mean, it's sort of like how I'm you know get all mad about perfect binding. I mean, there 
the the flaws in this show are few and far between, but sometimes sometimes they really make a misstep. Like there's a later episode where when they're making the film, the film studio, mm-hmm. um, is that season two or is that season three? I think it's two. There's a scene that makes me cringe so hard where she goes to bed with oh. the slave guy oh and my he's gosh. still in his manacles, like in her bed, and then she like slaps it. Oh my god! I like, have had to sort of repress that. I part. like it's, fell out of my chair when I saw that. It's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> I know. I, I, I was like, I cannot believe you just did that. I was horrified yeah. at that scene. And yeah. I still am like, I just flipped past it. Like, this is, this did not oh happen. Oh my God. This I'm was like, a horrible, I'm like horrible. okay, this is Australia, but still, like, <sighs> Australia has its own, I don't want to go off on a whole tangent about this, but Australia has its own, like, horrible history with, with yeah. Aboriginal people. Like, oh my God, so not good. So I've thought about that scene so much and what were they trying to do like were they trying what basically what was in their heads that made them think they should do that because i do not see any compelling argument Could have, he, like i like it's fine she's going to bed with the, the hot actor fine yeah, take i don't off. care take off the manacles please why would you put that in there please. take that off and it would have been fine put them on her put them on her oh yeah that would be awesome that would be awesome that'd be in keeping that might actually like her. salvage that yeah put him on her that would make so much more sense but to have him on him oh. it was just terrible yeah it was just a really bad choice <laughs> i can't yeah like it left a really bad taste in yeah. my mouth yeah um that the end of that episode i just i'm like, I was eh, like no. I'm done. no grumpy cat picture no <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, okay. tangent. Big tangent. No, no. Was, uh, understood. Um, we will probably scream about this again when we actually yeah, get to that probably, episode. Probably will. <laughs> I have a couple other quotes that I wrote down. Um, one is at, right around when the lip print on the forehead happens. Mm-hmm. When Dot says, I think you're far and away the best detective in the world, miss. I thought that was very sweet. It's very sweet. Um, and also, I think... There was a good bit when she's out to dinner with Lean, um, and he says, you're an idealist, Miss Fisher, though you try to hide it. Mm -hmm. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. And so that brings me to what I might suggest for our toast this week. And and actually, I think we should mimic the actual toast (laughs) that happens immediately after that line. Okay. Which is, two ideals... And your Shanghai bride. Cheers. Cheers.